Welcome to the Woodridge Baptist Church Podcast. For more information about what's happening in the life of our church, visit our website at www.woodridge.org. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and good day. I hope everyone is having a good week. Uh, Today we will be looking at uh, Philippians 3, uh, verses 12 through 21. So wrapping up chapter 3 of Philippians. We'll then spend two more weeks uh, doing Philippians chapter 4 and then be done with Philippians. And where we go next, well, actually what we're going to be doing is uh, mid-February, I believe it's February 16th, uh, we're going to start a live, another live class, and it's going to be the difficult sayings of Jesus. And so we'll start that here at the church at 6.30, uh, February 16th. We'll do a podcast of that as well, but we'll also do a live version of that so you guys can answer questions uh, whilst uh, we are going over the difficult sayings of Jesus. So something to look forward to uh, February 16th at 6.30. Uh, one other thing I wanted to bring up is, of course, you like to watch the video and you like to see this live, but the other side of it is you can also listen to these uh, lessons as a podcast. So if you go to Woodridge uh, or search for Woodridge Baptist Church on one of your or any of your preferred podcast providers, that's where you'll see uh, these lessons along with sermons and other things we have going on here at the church. So I encourage you to check out that app. So anyways, away we go. Uh, we'll be looking at, like I said, again, Philippians 3, 12 through 21. Last time we met, uh, Paul had given up everything, as we know, to follow Christ and to live a life of obedience and humility. An ongoing theme throughout this letter is the idea of obedience and humility, much like Jesus, to have the same mindset as Jesus. Uh, that, As we remember, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, or even a Hebrew of Hebrews. There was really no one with his level of credentials uh, who would ever... Uh, that, that they could ever possibly meet. And the, he, the, he's not being arrogant there, but he is letting them know that he is quite, uh, he, he, he has the credentials to do the work he's doing. Uh, he's a person, or was a person of great status and great regard, and he gave it all up uh, for the sake of Jesus. Uh, he's trying to show the church in Philippi that what it took to be a follower of Christ and that no matter uh, what accomplishes, accomplishments we have along the way, uh, we are nothing without Christ, and we could, uh, could have done nothing without Christ. And so he makes that point for us today as well, is that even with those of us with great accomplishments, or soon to have great accomplishments, or things that are at least somewhat good, uh, we could not do that without the power of Christ. So as we go into this, let me, uh, I think what we'll do, is since it's only, it's not many verses, it's only 12 through 21, let me read this, and then um, we will go forward from there. Chapter twelve, chapter 3, verse 12. I'm reading out the Net Bible today. Uh, not that I have already attained this, that is. I have not already been perfected. But I strive to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have attained this. Instead, I am single-minded. I would say that of having the same mindset. A single focus. Or as some translations could be, but this one thing, this one thing I'm focused on is who Christ is. Forgetting the things that are behind and reaching out for the things that are ahead, with this goal in mind, I strive toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let those who are perfect, you see that, you'll probably see that in quotes, 
again, that will pr probably depend on your translation as well, uh, or have already become perfect. But some, some translations have put those in quotes. Embrace this point of view. If you think otherwise, God will reveal to you the error of your ways. Nevertheless, let us live up to the standard that we already have attained. Be imitators of me, brothers and sisters, and watch carefully those who are living this way. Just as if you as just as you have us as an example. For many live about whom I have often told you, and now with tears I tell you that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is the belly, they exult in their shame, and they think about earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we also await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform these humble bodies of ours into the likeness of his glorious body by means of that power by which he is able to subject all things to himself. It's a little choppy uh, translation there, but I, I like it. It's uh, The Net Bible is, is nice to be able to uh, read through and to read out loud. It's actually easier to read silently, but to read out loud sometimes is good as well. But typically it's not something we use. So as we go forward here, let me, um, let me put the mic in a better spot because I noticed from my producer here that it was in the wrong spot. Sorry about that. Uh, anyways, so as we look at verse 12 of chapter 3, Paul continues to show that he is in the process of becoming like Christ. He has, been, he has not been resurrected. He has not been perfected. Uh, but he has, is, and will continue to be transformed uh, through the power of Christ. The same is for us. We never complete this, this transformation, no matter how righteous we think we are. Uh, as we are here uh, in our present state, here on earth, before the return of Christ, uh, we, we will be people who are transformed and people who go closer to Christ, but we will never become fully who we were meant to be until the, our own resurrection. Uh, because of Christ, uh, because of what Christ did for him as an individual, but also for what Christ has done for all of creation, he has made us all his own. Uh, we can know with hope and confidence that Christ is transforming us. That is the hope that Paul is trying to give the, the Philippian church, is that though, though times are rough, you are being transformed, so hold, hold tight Hold tight to the steadfast uh, righteousness of who Christ is. Uh, through the humility and the obedience of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, we have been made his. And again, we are to be humble. We are to be obedient. Paul is showing what that looks like, just as Christ was humble and obedient. Timothy's trying to do it. Epaphroditus is as well. They are models that Paul points to, and that's what we will continue to see as we go through this. As we move on to verses 13 and 14, uh, brothers or beloved or brothers or sisters is who he's referring to. The word here is adolfoi. Uh, typically comes across as, as a sibling of sorts, uh, which, which in many cases is in masculine form as well, but also can be seen as him saying, hey, fellow believers, neighbor, countryman, country person. The point is that he is still writing to everyone with ears to hear. He's not just writing to brothers, even though sometimes our translations, if we read them too rigid, we'll think that he's just talking to men, but he's talking to, to everyone here. Uh, remember from the earlier parts of chapter 3, Paul provided a brief curriculum vitae of everything he has accomplished in his life. It seems here he is reflecting back on that here in verses uh, 13 and 14 and saying that it's not about his own accomplishments, though he has achieved many good things, it was through the power and redemption of Christ that made it all 
possible. So it is the power of Christ that has made him who he is. With that said, he will still has the free will or the, the ability to push forward. Uh, but he also has a free will to not, to not be obedient, to not be humble, to not, uh, to not seek Christ. He has that ability as well. But this is based on his, but one thing I do, or my single-mindedness, or the one thing. Uh, this shows us that it's not about Christ directing and forcing our hand, uh, but it's about us making a decision to follow the will of Christ. We, we have the choice to do the one thing, or we have the choice not to do the one thing. We can make that decision, and it seems here, Paul is making that very decision. Uh, so he has made a choice to forget his accomplishments of the past uh, and to focus on the work of Christ that is laid before him. Uh, he will continue to strive towards Christ, continue to try and follow the model of Christ as we look through these two verses. Uh, another word that he uses here is the idea of, uh, let me get back down here, uh, strain. Uh, he will, I press on, again, depending on your translation, uh, could also be looking at uh, I strive, press on, strain, moving forward, putting all of his efforts into uh, following Christ. Uh, this is his singular focus, uh, to do what lies ahead. He could have been given up based on everything that's happened to him. Paul could have just like, you know, I'm tired of striving. I'm tired of straining. Uh, but instead, he chose to live a life that is pleasing to Christ, a life that furthers the kingdom of God, which, as we know, is a key part of what Paul, of course, of course hopes the church in Philippi to do as well. If you were to go to, like, first, this is the only time Paul talks about striving and straining, for those of you who read Paul's other epistles. You know, from 1 Corinthians uh, 9, 24, and uh, verse 26, that he, he speaks of this as well. So his ultimate goal is to be in the full presence of God, which is what we refer to as heaven, being the place where God is present. So heaven is where God is present, is one way to look at that. Some translations, uh, uh most likely uh, the NRSV uh, may use uh, heavenly based on the, uh, the words here. Let's see here. Uh, so on toward the goal for the prize of upward call. So, they use, so it could be like a heavenly call or the ESV uses upward call. Uh, let's see what the net, net Bible does here. They use upward as, up as well. Get that out of the way. Uh, so they're moving towards, again, a higher place. It's this idea of heavenly, if you have a heavenly in there, it's not just the idea of getting to heaven. I think sometimes we kind of sometimes forget that, but it's moving towards God, moving towards who God wants us uh, to be, a transformation, to be transformed in that way. <clears throat> As we look at to, uh, verse 15, let us therefore, you always like therefores, because you know why it's therefore, uh, Paul knows that there are people who are hearing, reading this letter, who are at different places in their walk in Christ, different levels of maturity. They could be old or young, but they have different levels of spiritual uh, maturity. And he also kind of makes a point here, uh, if you really pay close attention, some people think they're a little bit more mature in their faith uh, or their, their walk with Christ than they actually are. And so he's kind of pointing that out as well. Uh, some have just begun, and, and others have been on the journey for some time. Uh, so someone like a, a Timothy or a, possibly a Epaphroditus, and certainly a Paul have been on a journey for a long time. So those who are more mature in their faith, and depending on your translation, will, think, uh, will either be think this way or of the same mind or same mindset. I prefer the, I prefer the second version of this uh, because this points back to having the same, like I said, mindset of Christ. So having the same mind there in verse 15 <clears throat> Some people, may, you may even read that as um, 
attitude uh, or or not. It just depends on what you're, again, well, you would have it, but it's, it's again based on your translation. But anyways, what it is having the same mind or idea or attitude of, of Christ. Uh, some have seen the use of mature as perfection, but this is not what Paul's looking to. He's looking more of advancing our stages of spiritual development through life experiences and just time. Getting older. It, it moves us forward if our, if our mindset is on Christ as we mature in that way. Over time, it, we do come closer to who God uh, wants us to be. Uh, so we, we, we live in a world that thinks all about sprints this, this, uh, or instant fixes. Uh, I have to get this done today. This, the only way I can accomplish this is by doing these quick five steps. Uh, five steps to a better life, five steps to more money, five steps to happier children, five steps to a happier marriage, five steps to uh, the best garden. But that's not how life really works. And I think if we really think about it, these quick fixes don't work. And so Paul's trying to make a point here related to life isn't about sprints. Life is a, a marathon. And over a marathon, or even think of it as an ultra marathon, so 50 miles, I, th- I think an ultra is what, at 30 plus? I don't know. Either way, a, a long way to run uh, is, is there's, there could be mud, there could be rain, there could be snow, there's wind, there's obstacles along the way, things that you have to get across, uh, very few paved roads along the way, so smooth sailing. So uh, throwing a bunch of different ideas there out there. But that's what Paul's looking at here is that this is more of a marathon, a hard marathon, and not just a, a quick sprint to be transformed into who God wants us to be. <clears throat> uh, he brings up a point regarding those who are not of the same mindset or possibly those who have been distracted. He makes it clear that God will help us get uh, on the path of maturity again. God will direct us in that way. He'll lot, not let us go astray as we continue to seek him. As, as we continue, speaking of continuing, as we continue into verse 16, uh, he continues to ask or seek for us to, or look to us to, uh, to hold fast, uh, to conform to what, we, to what we know and what we have learned through the journey with Christ. As we have matured, uh, we have grown closer in our mindset of Christ. We hopefully have become more obedient to the call of Christ and have also become more humble or humble. Uh, depends on what part of Texas you live in. Uh, let's hold to what we have and not digress. Again, this points back to 1 Corinthians uh, 9.24. They're preparing to run the race, and with such progress, they cannot afford to lose ground. Uh, Paul knows that this is hard and that it's tempting to backslide based on our own weaknesses, our own desires. I mean, we, you have to just think through your own walk with, with Christ, how you, there's been times where you have backslid and everyone has and so there's no shame in it it's more of how you how you grow from that that moment <clears throat> so it, he is encouraging them and so we shouldn't be encouraged to know that folks have back there's been backsliding in the past so if, if we did it we're not the first ones to ever do it but for us to keep moving forward and to continue on that journey of transformation as we look at verse 17 here uh, again Paul's trying to get everyone's attention or make that emphatic uh, uh, call to everyone to listen to what he's trying to say and it's also in a way that is very uh, loving and familial in the way he's saying it uh, that they should all as he says here uh, follow and strive for, this <clears throat> for the same thing that Paul is striving for to have the same mindset of Christ it's typically said as uh, to join uh, but we could also see what he is saying as become like or behave like me and, and this is not Paul making an arrogant uh, statement. Remember, he is trying to 
be a model of Christ like Timothy and Epaphroditus. We're trying to do the same thing. And so the idea is that you'd want to follow the people who are heading in the right direction, those who are leading in the right direction. So to imitate someone was considered to be like, think of it as an, an apprenticeship, uh, where they would listen to the words of the teacher and then go out and act out uh, what they taught or would go apply what they learned uh, in the classroom out in the real world. Uh, so a as we know, Paul's not the only leader of that time who encourages those following him to emulate him. H his desire for people to follow him is strictly based on his following the example of Christ. I if he is not following Christ, they should not follow him. And he makes that point very clear. To walk as Jesus walked, as we know from uh, 1 John 2.6, 1 Corinthians 4.16, and 1 Thessalonians 1.6. He wants them to, to watch those others who are mature in their walk with Christ and to imitate them as well, showing us that we to, to have the same mindset of Christ will play out a little differently depending on the personality of the person. Humility and obedience manifest itself differently in people. And we can't expect everyone's walk to look exactly the same. We all have different sort of ways of approaching the world, so our acts of obedience and humility may not look like everyone else's acts of humility and obedience. And I think Paul understood that. It's very clear with that. Uh, so who is this us at the end of verse 17? Uh, <clears throat> there's some debate about it. Many would say he's referring to himself and Timothy. Maybe possibly Epaphroditus is thrown into this us here uh, with the understanding that Jesus is the ultimate one uh, that they should imitate. Uh, so maybe it's Paul, Timothy, Jesus, but or maybe it's Paul and Jesus, or maybe it's Paul and Timothy and Jesus and Epaphroditus. Uh, anyways, it's those who are going in the right direction, those who have the same mindset as Christ. So, so beyond Paul, uh, Timothy. Uh, <coughs> wait, wait. So beyond Paul, Timothy and Paul seem to recognize there are other leaders like Epaphroditus, and uh, it, that could be those who walk uh, in the church. And so that's where back here. Yep. Just kind of taking a, a step back there. Those are who, of course, who are mature in their face, uh, faith. And based on the way Paul says this, he may be wanting them to even look beyond Philippi uh, for people who walk the walk. So it seems there are multiple examples to follow that Paul is aware of. Um, and there's also multiple examples of who not to follow. And as we transition from those who they should walk with uh, like, versus those who they should not, as we'll see in verses 18 and 19, we can gather that Paul here is referencing itinerant preachers, which were very popular, uh, who would walk the Roman highways uh, back and forth, typically from Neapolis, which is about 10 miles uh, uh, off uh, from Philippi on the coast. Uh, and these people would most likely be received into the Christian homes uh, based on the common hospitality practice of that time. Some of them were great and some of them were not so great. And so Paul wants to warn the people about these itinerant preachers that would uh, walk the streets. That's not a nice way to say it. Walk the, the highways or travel the highways uh, of, of Rome from town to town. As we move forward uh, to verse 18, <coughs> uh, Paul is making a reference here back to chapter 3, verse 2, about the dogs and evil workers. Uh, these people uh, are the enemies of those who are seeking Christ. They're enemies of what Christ did for those who believe. Uh, Paul believes they are waiting in the wings, waiting to pounce upon the unexpecting church. So this could be people who are already there in Philippi, in the region of Macedonia, people who are just traveling through, uh, kind of wolves in sheep's clothing, you could even say, are just waiting to attack the unsuspecting 
believers, especially those who are less mature in their faith. A big concern of Paul, and he has brought this up many times before, and most likely not just in this letter. Letter they probably he probably also brought this up when he was last with them in person, and possibly could like we just talked about before could have been another letter or letters that made it to Philippi. But ultimately, what they should be aware of is that uh, there there are people who are evil, and there are people who are leading people astray, and they must to keep an eye out for them. <clears throat> Paul, again, through his tears, which he is, is a good way to show compassion and passion uh, he has for the church in Philippi, uh, this is obviously a very emotional experience for Paul. You have to think he's not only away from them, he's locked up or at least chained to a Roman soldier far, far away, about three weeks away uh, there in Rome. Uh, he does not want them to be led astray. He wants them to grow and move forward in their walk with Christ. So. To not be able to be there, to not to be able to help guide them in person, you can imagine that's pretty hard on Paul. <clears throat> so from verses 18 and 19, we get some clues of who the people who could lead people are straight. And of course, these are enemies of the cross of Christ. This is all very general, but you know, just kind of it kind of gets broken down into five different uh, those whose end is destruction, who are probably also enemies of the cross of Christ, whose God is the belly, uh, is their belly. God is their belly. Yes. Uh, who glory, whose glory is their shame. Who glory in their own shame. Sorry. And who set their minds on earthly things. I hope none of us has our belly as our God. And that we have our mind set only on earthly things. So that may seem like things that we can't connect with. But oh, oh my friends, we do. And so we'll read a little bit uh, here and get a little bit more context about who these folks could possibly be. Uh, Paul continues to provide additional uh, definitions here of the people who are enemies to the cross or possibly enemies to the mindset of Christ uh, because the idea being that Paul, not Paul, but Jesus was uh, obedient and humble, humble enough to get on the cross, but he was obedient to God to get on the cross. So people who would not be humble and obedient or have the same mindset of Christ. So he's contrasting the humility and the obedience uh, to Christ and the kingdom of heaven with those who are more focused on earthly desires. Those who are focused on their own needs, who have idols of wealth and prestige that guide their ways and are not in the same mindset of Christ. This is not an anti-wealth uh, or anything type commentary. This is, uh, if you do have things, which many of us do, how important to them are they to you? And is it, are they your gods and how do you rely on them or not rely on them. And anyways, uh, they live in shameful ways. And what we see here in, in, and are not shameful of living in such a way uh, of their, say, indulgences, even though their lives are leading to destruction. So they may know that they live in a life of shame, but they're fine with it. And that's, that's not good. Uh, and that, of course, is something that would harm them, but it would also harm the community as well. Uh, they're focused on man-made things and not on the kingdom of God. Uh, <coughs> The idea of earthly here uh, that you see in these, these verses, I believe in verse 19, yes, at the end of there, verse 19, uh, is not about creation or anything God has created. So when you see earthly or worldly or the world, a lot of times what that is is human uh, uh, inventions, human structures, governments, uh, powers that be, uh, such as kings, uh, earthly kings, and that sort of thing. And it's not talking about God's creation, uh, but talking about those things. So think of it, you get, like I said, uh, government structures, material possessions, social issues, cultural hierarchies. Those are the things that he talks about when he talks about earthly things here. <clears throat> 
like I said, we're not told exactly who these people are, as the description is a bit generic, but we can understand that the people are outsiders to the those who are following Christ, uh, and their lives contradict uh, what is going on, at least what should be going on in the church there in Philippi. Uh, just to kind of talk a little bit about the those who are enemies of the cross and their bellies, rimming, uh, the gods, their gods are their bellies. That's not. Why am I saying it that way? Because I know that's absolutely not the right thing to say. Whose uh, gods is their appetite? That's actually nicer than belly, but I, you know, it depends on your translation again. Anyways, what those are is that's, that's something that Paul had written to, to Rome uh, when he wrote the letter to Rome called Romans. Uh, you'd see it in 11, uh, Romans 11.28 where Paul speaks of Israel as en- enemies uh, of the Gentiles. And then in Romans 16, 17, 18, it seems to be a misleading Christian teacher or teachers and not necessarily a Jewish influence. So there are two things going on in Rome. And most likely there's multiple things going on here as well. <clears throat> as you know, and as we've seen from other letters, Paul, Paul did come in contact with many Jewish Christian minister, missionaries on his journey who he did disagree with. And most likely these folks were on him, were on his mind. Uh, as he wrote this. So he is very aware of people who were uh, once Jews became followers of Christ but were not teaching the right the right way. Uh, the way that Paul would believe that Christ is of the same mindset of, of Christ. Alright, our last two verses here, verses 20 and 21. <clears throat> uh, we could surmise uh, that Paul may be referencing or at least thinking about Psalm 8 as he writes this. Emphasizing Jesus' authority over all creation. You will specifically note this at the end of verse 21. Uh, He has even to subject all things to himself. Uh, He could argue that Paul is using citizen here to make a point against Rome. As we know, Philippi was settled mainly by Roman soldiers at the end or after the battles uh, there in Actium. Uh, The Macedonian region was thus a mix of Romans and non-Roman citizens uh, and, and Rome liked to make their colonies with such a mix because uh, it would create places or strongholds uh, of people who were loyal to the emperor and allow for the easy suppression of any sort of uprising so you can think if you had a bunch of uh, retired soldiers or else probably better known as killers because uh, Roman soldiers were very very good at killing people uh, so it was a good thing for the, the empire to have them in these regions. It was not a good thing for those people who lived in those colonies, uh, even though uh, there were many times there were times of peace, but it was, again, it was Roman peace, which, again, if you step out of line, we'll, we'll squish you. So it seems like that was the, prefer- the preference of the emperors to have the soldiers outside of the cities, uh, and the reason that is is because you got to think if you have trained killers, you want them out and about, and you don't want them conspiring there back in uh, Rome, because Rome itself wants to be a peaceful place, or at least peaceful for the for the Caesar or the emperor to be able to live a nice life. So why does it matter that he brings up citizens? And Paul uh, brings up here when he says we are citizens of heaven. He is not saying that once we are done with this life, uh, we are all hightailing it off to heaven and leaving creation forever, because we know from Revelation, uh, <coughs> as well as from other. Uh, letters there in the Bible that is not true um, but he could be bringing that up here. Uh, Paul employs uh, imperial titles here such as Savior, Lord, King uh, to show the real King or leader is of course Christ. The one who will come from heaven to earth to transform all of creation. Uh, 
and he will where it's quoted as he will transform our present humble <laughs> humble bodies to be like his glorious body uh, he will change all of our bodies through the power that allowed for the resurrection uh, to bodies that are subjection to himself we, we know that paul is mainly speaking of human resurrection here uh, but he is taking a step further with the glorious transformation of all things all the cosmos so it's beyond just the human transfer transformation is the resurrection of all of creation uh, Paul is showing, or better said, reminding the folks in Philippi that Christ is more powerful than Emperor, the Caesar, uh, Emperor Caesar. Even though Caesar would be referred to as Lord or King, Paul is contrasting that with, no, actually, Christ is Lord and King. Paul also here defines those who believe uh, are not part of the earthly things, but of heavenly things or the kingdom of God, or their mindset is focused on the kingdom of God, and their mindset is not focused on earthly things. We discussed what that was just seconds ago. Uh, we are with God and God is with us. Those who follow Christ, focus is in heaven. Uh, Paul here is employing the uses of we and our here to show that he is in the same situation as the believers that he is writing to. He is not above them or on some sort of pedestal. They are all, they are all literally in the same boat hopefully heading in the same direction. Uh, Paul is not put above them. No, no teacher or leader is put above uh, any other believer or follower of Christ. Uh, focused in heaven, leading to a future glory, while those whose end is destruction, based on them focused uh, on the present and their desires in the present state. Uh, though we exist in an earthly context, uh, our focus is on God and the work of God expanding the kingdom of God is what Paul is trying to get here. Here. <coughs> Again, some clarification on earthly. Uh, we did talk briefly about it. Uh, Paul, again, Paul's not saying uh, they are no longer citizens of the Roman Empire because, in fact, they are Roman citizens or the citizens of somewhere, even, even though if they're not official Roman citizens, they're still citizens of some government within some region, uh, but most likely powered by Rome at that time. And the idea is you, you, if you're a citizen of a of a, of a country, even even of Rome, uh, you still must be good quality, uh, you know, upstanding citizens. That doesn't mean you get, you don't put up with, I mean, you you don't put up with, uh, like, I, I, I don't want to say bad things, but that's that's what it is. Uh, if, if, if a government is doing something wrong, then you can fight against it, but there are cases where you are just a citizen, just like in many countries today, you can be a citizen and be a good citizen, and you can do the right thing. And um, But that, again, that doesn't stand, talk about just, yeah. Anyways, don't want to go much further with that. <clears throat> uh, some readings of this, another scripture reading says, this place is not our own, has led many to think uh, that we do not have a responsibility to be good and productive citizens here in our current place since our future is the glory of God. And that is, probably cause them the most harm you could possibly think of if you if we if we live that way that we do not have to be people who are good stewards of this earth good stewards of the of our community uh, good stewards of our uh, families because hey we're out of here soon i've got my ticket stamped and away we go because that's not how this all works uh, you could argue that we have a, a dual citizenship of a, a of a heavenly and earthly citizenship uh, both of which we are to be humble and obedient citizens, furthering the kingdom of God. Otherwise, otherwise how else do we spread uh, the good news? So we are not only focused on God, but we are also awaiting the redemption 
of the world, our, our own redemption, but also the redemption of the world, uh, the renewal of the heaven and earth with the return of Jesus to the earthly realm where heaven and earth come together. So pointing here to the return of Jesus and the future awaiting of his return allows us to see the sovereignty of Christ over creation. He is sovereign over Rome and he is sovereign over the church in Philippi. And that's the point Paul's trying to make here. He is a Lord and Savior, a contrast again to the Lord referred to sometimes as the Roman emperor. And the people in Philippi would know what Paul was trying to do here. He's making a political statement. Besides using Lord here to contrast Christ to Caesar, he is also using Lord and Savior in an Old Testament context or Hebrew Bible context, uh, which was connected to what we know as Yahweh. This is a bold move and it would not have been missed, like I said, by the folks there in Philippi. As those who are humble in mind and in the same mindset of Christ, uh, he will redeem us and transform us to our true, true, straight, true state in Christ. Uh, we will not be gods or be him. We are not going to be gods someday. We're always going to be humans. Uh, but we'll be transformed to who he is truly uh, humble and obedient to the will of God. So that's where we end uh, today. Uh, that's the end of chapter 3. Next time we'll be here in chapter 4 of Philippians. We may or may not do the entire... I doubt it. We'll probably just do, yeah, we'll do the next two weeks. We'll do first part of chapter four and the second part of chapter four. And then we'll do what you do and we'll call it a day. Like I said, uh, if you want to get further, if you want to listen to these and not look at me, uh, we have podcasts and those can be found uh, by going to Woodridge Baptist Church on any of your uh, preferred podcast providers. I uh, hope everyone has a good rest of their week. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. We hope you have enjoyed the podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.woodridge.org.